Hey, listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. I've officially closed the book on season one. This is the very first episode of season two. In this episode, I primarily talk about monologues, taped auditions, and live auditions, to the extent that I've done all three of these. I'm just a beginner, but I think you'll glean some valuable points by listening to what I've done and learned in the process. I include some actual monologues monologues I did for my acting class and a snippet of a role I played for that class and of course the usual stories from recent background jobs I've had but I'm cutting way back on these seriously I feel as if I've been there done that and talked it to death so I'm shifting the content to focus more on the acting work and including background content as it relates to any points I'm trying to make I'll get started after the break Today is Thursday, February 17th, 2022. It's a snow day. I don't mean it's snowing here in Atlanta. I mean something happened to either cancel school and work or cut it short. I was booked on this FBI show to film in mid-January, but it got canceled at the last minute. After two tests, a fitting, and two more tests, it was rebooked for today. The original post said trainees needed to be clean-shaven. Since I was booked as an FBI agent, that didn't apply to me. As I mentioned, I rarely shave for roles anymore, only if it's something really, really good. The call time email I got yesterday had different hair and makeup instructions. In one place it said, all men need to be clean shaven or be prepared to shave. But in another it said, again, only trainees. And to email them to let them know in advance if I couldn't abide by these rules. So I did. And surprisingly, after ignoring every other text and email I had sent over the past week, they replied. She said, Hello! No worries. FBI agents are fine to not fully shave. Just let the hair team know. Thanks! She was wrong. This morning, after going through wardrobe and hair, the makeup woman said, Let me see your pretty face, which is her southern way of asking you to take your mask off. She took a photo and sent it to her supervisor. I explained the exchange I had yesterday with Alessi Hardigan Casting, and she clarified that they don't have the authority to make these decisions. 30 minutes later, they came back with an answer and called the PA over. The options were to shape it or shave it off with a preference for shaving it off, which I told them I couldn't do because I'm still filming a boxing movie where I'm prominently featured with my beard. So they wrapped me and sent me home with a full day's pay. Wow, this has never happened before. Not a bad way to earn $200 for COVID test and one hour of work today. The PA explained that this has been going on since day one and that the casting company just isn't getting it. If I were them, I would fire the casting company because they're costing production $200 for every one of these situations. And that all adds up. While we're on the subject of the boxing movie, this is week four. I'm not really working on it anymore, as far as I know. Central sent out another bizarre availability request last week, asking for all new people for this final week, because the final fight takes place in a different country. They didn't say the rest of us who were booked for the full 18 days were fired. They didn't really say anything about us, except to say, do not apply if you have already worked the movie for two days or more. I have worked nine. So I just ignored it. I assumed if they couldn't get enough new people, they would use the rest of us. I proceeded to book other work for this entire week, which I successfully did. Oh, that final 
Friday last week, the call time of 1 p.m. overnight became 5 p.m., which means we would be working probably 5 p.m. to 5 a.m., which means it's an overnight call and I don't do those. So I called them and canceled for that day. This week was Harold and the Purple Crayon on Monday. Absolutely nothing to say about this, except we just sat in our cars in a parking lot for six hours. And when it was time to leave, it was difficult to get out of Stone Mountain Park. I saw a police car flashing its lights, so turned and went the other way, only to encounter this same car at another intersection, chasing a trailer pulling a car which was being filmed. They turned down the road I needed to get onto, and they refused to let me follow it, so directed me to the right, and I ended up exactly where I had started. Also, another show was filming there with the code name of Spencer, which is Tales of the Walking Dead. As I drove to the park in the morning, I thought, how am I going to get into the park without paying the $20 entry fee? But the guard just let me through and then directed me to the wrong set. I didn't know there were two shows filming there, and she didn't ask me which one I was there for. Tuesday was the Wonder Years for the seventh time in a fake hospital. I got to lie in bed all day, which isn't as comfortable as it sounds. The metal rods and the headboard were digging into my back, and the rest of me was getting hot under the covers. At one point, Saison, the actress who plays Lillian, decided to sit at the desk by my bed and began commenting to her colleagues how my socks were not period appropriate. She said, they look more like 2021 or even 2022 socks. She was right. My nurse brought me real food and some apple juice, which I kept sucking down through my straw. And I had a 2022 Atlanta Journal-Constitution to read. The day started out bad due to missing vouchers, so I was on the phone with Central again, speaking very loudly and sternly in the holding area, and people must have thought I was mad or something. Long story short, if you have any issues with central casting shows, call their HR department in California at 818-562-2726. I was getting the runaround about who is responsible for creating vouchers and learned that production does them for filming, but that central casting does them for fittings and that they had dropped the ball. Within hours, my missing voucher appeared. Today was a bust, as I've mentioned. Tomorrow, I am back on Monarch for the fifth time. It's not a bad show, despite all the horrible things others have experienced on it and posted on Facebook. My time on it has been fine. After the break, I'll get to the meat of this episode, monologues. Ha! So, I forgot to mention that the other strange thing about the FBI show this morning was we're in this giant room and everybody's dressed up, and including the women, and it was very strange because I felt like I was sitting in the lobby of a management consulting room waiting for an interview or something. Um, Everybody was in suits, and it just reminded me of the five years that I spent in that industry When I worked for Accenture from 1998 to 2003, um, it was probably the most stressful job I'd ever had and the craziest schedule working out of town 50% of the time in other cities with two sets of everything, corporate apartment there, corporate car there, clothing there, 
groceries there. It's just really, really a strange way to live your life, just coming back to Atlanta on the weekends and trying to live your life only on Saturdays and Sundays. Anyway, that was odd. And then later today, I discovered while watching the official trailer for The First Lady, which premieres on Showtime on April 17th um, out on YouTube, that I (laughs) made the trailer. There's a scene with Betty Ford's big red haired head from behind and me and the other White House usher are standing there looking sort of at each other. I'm on the left, can't miss me. And then later, much later, you can barely see this. I had a, I only caught it in slow motion. There's a scene of Betty walking through the lobby of the White House and I am behind her, but it's literally a fraction of a second. Uh, so that's another place you can catch me. So looking forward to the premiere of that show. The trailer looks fantastic. I got to work on all three segments, uh, just a tiny bit with uh, Michelle Obama, a little bit more with... Um, Eleanor Roosevelt, and then most of my time was spent with Betty Ford. So uh, that'll be fun to watch. Today is Friday, February 18th, 2022. This segment is all about monologues. It's more relevant for up-and-coming actors than background actors, but if you're on this path, listen in. First, a definition. A monologue is one person speaking, whereas a dialogue is two or more. I used to think these were stupid and didn't really understand why someone would want to stand there and talk for a few minutes, but my acting class has made me wiser. It's basically a way for you to act all by yourself for an audition. They are usually for plays, not films. The material can be anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute or longer. The content is typically from a play, a very famous one, or one that no one has heard of. If there are two people, then the other person clearly impacts the scene with what they're saying and doing. So a monologue literally singles you out. It's just you, your words, your face, and your body showing people what you can do. One problem with famous plays is that the casting director will know the lines and who delivered them, so you're almost setting yourself up to compete with a famous actor by choosing to do one of these. When we got our monologues in class a few weeks ago, I immediately looked at the titles, characters, and sources and thought, there is no way I'm doing Stanley from A Streetcar Named Desire, played by Marlon Brando. And I was right. I chose other monologues from works that I had never heard of. But then while practicing them, I realized it was difficult to deliver the lines without understanding the context. So I bought the play on Amazon and read the whole thing just so I could understand who the characters are, what the context is, and why they're saying what they are saying. Allison said that for the purpose of this homework, we could make up the context, but that didn't feel quite right to me. I had to know the truth. The next point is to find a monologue consistent with your age range. This is simple enough. You wouldn't want to play a 10-year-old if you're 58. Probably. Third, find a monologue you can emotionally attach to because that will bring out the emotions the casting director wants to see. I tried up (coughs) three monologues for homework, all from the play Nuts by Tom Topper. First, I did Arthur's lines, which didn't feel meaty enough. Then I moved to his wife, Rose. Much better. Then I moved to their daughter, Claudia, and without warning, those made me cry. On film, the first time I recorded. 
Bingo! That's exactly what you want. Now I have a monologue of me talking about my mother and crying. Fourth, if the casting director doesn't tell you how long it should be, stick to 60 to 90 seconds. That should be more than enough. I currently have to create three of these, and the talent agency said 30 to 45 seconds each, so that begs the question. Do I just cut an existing one in half? I could, but the better answer is to find a shorter monologue. If I simply cut a 90 second monologue in half, I may never get to the good part. That's Allison's opinion. Fifth, you must memorize it. That is a given. No one wants to see you looking down and reading anything. I have found this fairly easy to do and now have multiple monologues floating around in my head. What's very strange is that my brain will fill in missing words now and then with words I typically would use, which are often easier to say and flow better. But then I have to correct myself and train my brain and tongue to use what's on the paper. Six, for a musical, our instructor said you typically will do a monologue sing, and then maybe even dance so they can see how your body moves. Seven, before you deliver the monologue, it's best to do a slate. That is, say your name, the role, and the work it's from, and maybe even the author. For example, I'm DJ Stavropoulos, and this is Arthur from Nuts by Tom Tober. When you do this, you stand with your feet firm on the ground, looking straight at the audience with a friendly smile. And then you pause before moving downstage and switching into your character. Eight, when delivering the monologue, pick a location in the audience where you've placed the imaginary person you are speaking to. Not a real person because they will be creeped out by you staring at them, which means do not stare at the person who is auditioning you. Finally, after you finish, linger in character for three to four seconds and then break out of character. A few final points, you should not pantomime anything and cannot assume anything will be on stage with you except maybe a chair for you to use. I'll tell you about what I did for homework after the break. It's still Friday, February 18th. As I mentioned earlier, Allison gave us about 25 monologues to choose from. Things from Cat on the Hot Tin Roof, In a Streetcar Named Desire, and even Othello. I immediately gravitated towards only one of them, Map from Transfers by Conrad Brommer. But the next day I scrapped it and was more attracted to the ones from the play Nuts. I'd say that most of them appeared to be too famous and too dramatic, and I wanted something less flashy. I picked lines from Arthur Kirk, a father at the trial of his stepdaughter, Claudia. I memorized them and recorded a video three times. The second and third were better, but not substantially different. My eyes do weird things, and I think some of the tones of voice are a bit off. Maybe I'll record this one again. The next day, I decided to look at Rose's lines. She's the mother. These were much better, and I believe I recorded this only once. I looked much better because I had colored my beard darker, and my hair was a bit more slipped back. Because Rose is a woman talking about how her first husband cheated on her, I switched the pronouns so that I could deliver these as a man describing his cheating first wife. It worked well. It's a bit dramatic, but my eyes move around cleverly, and my voice goes up and down in an interesting way. On day three, I looked at the daughter's lines. In them, Claudia is on the stand talking about her relationship with her mother when she was a child. Again, I switched the pronouns so that I could deliver them and talk about me as a little boy. When I recorded this one, it for some reason made me cry. I guess because I have unresolved issues with my own mother. I hit the jackpot. 
Although this one starts out very slowly, it immediately feels more real, as if I'm not acting, but just talking about my mother from the heart. My face is a bit red, and it almost looks as if I've already been crying. I decided to go with the second, the one of Rose talking when we got to class. It was very, very strange to see two other students deliver the two other monologues I had recorded but not presented in class. They came up so different from mine, just like all the generic dialogue scenes she throws at us. I guess there's an infinite number of ways you can deliver a single monologue. Anyway, I thought we were just going to stand up one by one and deliver these, but we started by doing a few other interesting things. First, she paired us with a partner. All at once, we walked from one side of the room to the other while delivering our monologue to our partner. And then we switched so that within each pair, only one person was talking. That was hard, kind of like chewing gum and walking at the same time, except we were delivering a monologue and walking. Just moving and having a person looking right at you while speaking was a challenge. Then it got harder. Instead of the partner just listening to us, they were instructed to speak back to us whenever we pause in our monologue. Wow, so I'm speaking my lines and my partner Kat is just randomly saying stuff to me whenever I stop to take a breath, like repeating it back to me or commenting on it or asking a question. It was very weird and disruptive, but I guess the point of this exercise was to get us to act as if we were actually having a conversation and not just reciting lines. It worked. When it was my turn, they placed my partner in the audience where she was eye level. I sat in a chair and delivered my monologue. The feedback was great. The only thing Allison said was not to do was scan the room with my eyes. It's better to pick people to look at and then move on to another person. She meant something I did called deep chest resonance. I think it has to do with how I delivered the last line. She never loved me. I'll likely post all three of these on my YouTube channel so you can watch me deliver them. In the meantime, um, I'll post the audio portion of each in the next segment. The timing of all this is wonderful because the talent agency that has shown interest in me wants me to submit three of them. While in class, I asked Allison what she suggested, and here's what she said. One, a regular guy. Two, an angry businessman. And three, something very emotional. Well, I already have that one. More on monologues after the break. Now, for a real treat, have a listen to what I prepared for class on February 15, 2022. The first is Arthur, then Rose, then Claudia, all from the play Nuts by Tom Topper. I heard there's actually a movie version that stars Barbara Streisand. That would be cool to see without obviously comparing my acting skills to hers. I said, Rose, if you love her, then I love her. When she woke up in the middle of the night with a bad dream, it was me, Art Kirk, who went in there and held her and sang to her. I can't sing, but I did it. I didn't know a thing about kids, but I learned. I learned the sounds she made when she was happy and the sounds she made when she was miserable. I didn't hide from the responsibility. I'm not that kind of man. And it wasn't Rose and her daughter and her husband. It was Rose and her daughter and her father. She lied to me. She lied and lied 
and lied and lied. Archie said, I love you. I love you more than life itself. I'll never look at another man. There are no other men. Can't you feel it when I touch you are? There'll never be anyone else. Oh, she lied. Do you know how many there were? Do you have any idea? She was like a stray cat. She couldn't pass a trouser without unzipping it. She never loved me, darling, never. She walked out through the door with her one suitcase. That's what she took to him, her own suitcase. She walked out through the door and left me with you. She never loved me. When I was a little boy, I used to say to her, I love you to the moon and down again and around the world and back again. And she used to say to me, I love you to the sun and down again and around the stars and back again. Do you remember mom? I used to think, wow, I love mom and mom loves me. And what could go wrong? What went wrong, mom? I love you. You love me. And what went wrong? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Today is Saturday, February 19th, 2022. I did my taxes today. Taxman! What's that movie with Maggie Gyllenhaal where she's an absolute jerk to the tax guy questioning her business? Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell, I believe it is. Well, I was actually procrastinating. I thought I would do a little bit and then reward myself by allowing myself to record my podcast. It's the old reward system of rewarding myself with something I love to do after forcing myself to do something I hate. Instead, I just cranked them out in less than three hours. I could do a whole episode on how to not procrastinate. It's all about incrementally doing your taxes as the year progresses so that, guess what? When it comes down to filing, there is very little left to do. That is much more pleasant, less dreadful, and less overwhelming. I clean my house the same way. I break the chores up into tiny little pieces so that they all add up to a clean house. But none of them, taken alone, fills me with fear to the point that I won't do it. I think it's somehow related to Marie Kondo. I worked the butterfly show yesterday. I was booked as a diner patron. My call time email switched me to a stage hand. Easy. I just had to wear all black. We started by parking at Flourish in Buckhead and shuttling to Kima, the high-end Greek restaurant on Piedmont, as they were filming in the now-closed Buckhead Diner next door. They wrapped all of those people and told us to shuttle back to our cars and self-drive to the studios on Audley Drive. There were two other stagehands, my friend Jackie from Naomi and a guy named George. Three hours later, 
three hotel detectives arrived and everything changed. Two of the three detectives were too tall and they no longer needed stagehands. They sent four people home with pay and kept me as a detective with one of the other original detectives. We were in a small scene with the hotel manager and two principal actors. Another first for me, Susan Sarandon had to talk to all three of us. Do you know what it's like to have an actress of this caliber looking right at you while talking? Very weird. We filmed this for two hours. I wonder what these people think when they're looking into your eyes. She has huge eyes and is shorter than I expected. She makes Trace Adkins look even taller. Someone told me recently that he signed a seven-year contract, which suggests that NBC believes the show will be a huge hit. This dude came up to me at one point and asked if I had been on The Wonder Years recently in a diner scene. Why, yes, I had. He had had a crew job on that and instantly recognized me. We chatted just for a bit. As he left, he said something to suggest that I was somehow moving up in the world with this role. It was so nice of him to say hello. It supports the mounting evidence that you don't remember everyone that is there, but there are people who will recognize and remember you. And that you cannot control. We'll see what happens the next time I film with Susan Sarandon, right? Will she ask, hey, were you one of the hotel detectives in episode 107? I did one other very stupid thing. Remember how I always say that I treat principal actors as if they're ordinary people? Well, when you're around ordinary people, you just open your mouth and say things, sometimes without thinking. Kim had given me a copy of the side, so I knew the scene inside and out. We were standing there and Susan Sarandon asks about the items she's supposed to hand out. I mistakenly believed that only me and the other detective were supposed to get them, but it was actually all three of us. So like an idiot, I blurted out something like, oh, there's just, Two, me and him, and then someone higher in the food chain clarified that actually the hotel manager gets one too. So if Susan needs three, they will get her three. It wasn't a huge faux pot. At least I didn't think so. She was probably thinking, who is this idiot with the bad information and why is he talking to me? Let's talk about taping on Audition because I've been doing a lot of this lately. I have my studio set up. I apply for a lot of things on Actors Access, and in most cases, they invite me to audition by doing an eco-cast. This is where they send you the sides and ask you to record your audition and submit it. Easier said than done. Lately, a lot of these have a lot of dialogue in them surrounding the role I'm auditioning for, and I don't really know how to address this. And some have no start or end points marked. Can I ignore the other characters? Do I have to find readers to read with me? What's the point of two pages of dialogue if my single sentence is at the very end? I posted in the Atlanta Actors Network Facebook group my questions about how to record sides where I have only one line and there was a lot of other dialogue. It went like this, quote, need some input here. When doing an ecocast on Actors Network, how do you handle sides where your role has one sentence or maybe two words buried in two pages of dialogue? I assume you need people to read with you when taping the audition. Seems odd that the end result would be mostly them talking with you just sitting there waiting for your turn to speak. Do they want to see your emotions slash expressions while all this is happening? Is it acceptable to read only your lines and skip the intervening ones? And then in parenthesis, you read alone. Thanks in advance, unquote. Most people said I should at least read the lines just before and just after my lines if they appear in just one place. Others said record the whole thing because there's a reason they identified start and end points. They believe it's so I can show my reaction to what others are saying 
In sum, I'll probably go with the just before and just after in cases where there are no start and end points. If there are, I will abide by them. This doesn't solve the problem of not having people to read with me, so that I still have to figure out. Worst case scenario is to have someone on the speakerphone, but then I cannot use my phone to simultaneously record. My friend Rowella does something interesting. She calls a friend using FaceTime on her iPad. She uses that device to generate the sound of the other person reading their lines while she uses her iPhone to take the video, which captures her speaking as well as her counterpart on the iPad. I'll have to figure this out. I do have an iPad, but you cannot make phone calls on it. Someone's response identified a mobile app that may help. It's called Script Rehearser. It's free. It lets you upload a script and then it reads it back to you using different digital voices for each role, including yours. I've not yet figured out how to turn off my role so that I can speak it when it's my turn. I mean, that's the whole point. It looks to be very useful for practicing the lines because you get to hear the other lines and know where yours fit in. But I don't think it works when recording an audition. The voices sound like robots and I can't get it to stop speaking my lines and just give me my time to say them. The biggest problem with these auditions is that I don't have a slew of actor friends readily available to take these things. I mean, I drove over to Kaylee and David's a month ago, but that's not really practical to do weekly. I've also concluded that it doesn't make sense to randomly apply to roles on actors' access because what invariably happens is the casting director will immediately send you an eco-cast with sides, and then you suddenly have a deadline, sides to memorize, and an audition tape to make. I ended up declining many of these after reading the sides, either because the role doesn't feel meaty enough or I just don't have the time and or people available to record it. Time to relax. I was filming until 1am this morning and got only six hours of sleep and then did my taxes after that. So I need some really good R&R. Um, just a few more points about monologues. I'm going to retract what I said earlier. Uh, what I said earlier was you should probably stay away from famous monologues from movies that most people would be familiar with because you're setting yourself up for failure by competing with the actor or, or actress who was in the film and originally read those lines. So I went through my homework from a couple weeks ago and I found a monologue performed by Marlon Brando in A Streetcar Named Desire in the role of Stanley. I don't know what the scene is. He's lying on top of, well, not really lying. He's pushing Blanche Dubois, played by Vivian Leigh, down on a bed, and he's half drunk and upset with her. And I don't know how I found this, but I'm like, I can't just do this. I need to see the scene. I need to see the context. So I Googled Streetcar Named Desire and all this crap came back and, you know, a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, I don't know where the scene is in the movie. I don't know how to describe it. So I found something that called it, I just put Queen of the Nile in there. Um, and eventually I found a longer clip and it was somehow sandwiched in the middle of that. And I miraculously found it. So anyway, once I found it, I was like, okay, this is, this is the scene. This is what he's doing. And I don't really understand it because I haven't seen the movie, but he has a weird affectation. I can't tell if he is pretending to be drunk or it's just the way he talks, but it's a very strange sounding affectation to his voice, which I did not intend or do not intend to 
imitate. So anyway, I recorded this like three times last night and it's not that bad. I mean, it's interesting. I think it's cool to take something from a classic movie and put your own spin on it and do something radically different, you know, just to like stretch people's minds. So I actually made an Instagram reel. I paired my best one with his. So you watch it and hear, you hear me recite the lines and then you see the original from the movie. And it's, it's kind of interesting because they are so different. I obviously didn't have a woman lying on a bed that I was angry with and pushing down and stuff. But um, I like how it came out. And I'm going to try some more of these. Kind of the pair it with the original and show what I can do with a classic monologue. I've been on to you from the start. Not once did you pull any wool over this boy's eyes. You come in here and sprinkle the place with powder and spray perfume and cover the light bulb with a paper lantern and lo and behold, the place is turned into Egypt and you are the queen of the Nile. Sitting on your throne and swilling down my liquor, I say ha, ha, you hear me? Ha, ha, ha. It's Friday, February 25th, 2022. I submitted an eco-cast today for a show that I'm actually already booked on as background. It's called Tell Me Lies. I'm not sure how that works. I guess if they hire me as the dean for the episode, I can't really magically appear elsewhere as background. And I have my first eco-cast lives tomorrow, two for the same SCAD student film. An eco-cast live is when the casting director invites you to audition live using technology, similar to a Zoom call. Contrast this with recording yourself and sending that in, which is what an ecocast is. I initially thought it was a cold read because no sides were provided, but then the casting director sent out an email telling us how to get these. I was concerned that I couldn't access them without a paid membership to some other site, but I learned that an Actors Access Plus membership gets you free sides on a site called Showfax, S-H-O-W-F-A-X. You just log in with your Actors Access ID and password. There is a similar site called Sides Express, but I thought I would need a paid membership to get them from there. And the site was so unuser-friendly that I couldn't even figure out how to create an account. It turns out, if you log in there with your Actors Access credentials, it just takes you back to Showfax. I learned something new every day. Wish me luck. Next week is booked solid with many conflicts, Tom Swift, Zoltar, and the start of Tell Me Lies, and then Road Trip the week after that. Carousel was not fun this week. That's all I have to say about that. I thought we were all going to die crammed in Eddie's attic, and if a fire had broken out, that might have happened. I was smart to drive my car from holding to set, so when we wrapped, I could just walk to it and drive home. And I did. One final sample. This is from my very last session, acting one at the Alliance Theater. Three of us did a skit called T-Bone and Weasel. I was T-Bone. This is just me, a recorded practice at home before class. It was very funny, and the class and instructor loved it. She said my accent was perfect, not too little, not too much. Kind of like the three bears, I guess, just right. Here's the plan. I'll pack the heat. The gun! Now you're going to buy something. I'll keep the fellow at the register entertained.
Oh, I don't care. Just don't act like a bum. Show some class. Fine. Now bring it up to the register. As soon as he opens the drawer, I flash my iron. The gun. You don't call a gun a gun. It's not cool. If an I'm gonna be reduced to a life of crime, at least I'm gonna show some style. We grab the cash and go. We keep the car running. I talk to him. Oh, I don't know anything. The weather. Hot, ain't it? How's that? You got a suggestion? Forget it. Don't I know it. Wanna be out of there for Saturday. What? Today is Saturday, February 26, 2022. I just finished two auditions using Ecocast Live on Actors Access. My first time for a SCAD student film called Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. A few points. These are more stressful than self-taping because you get only one chance. I prepared the same way. I learned the lines and then taped myself several times to see how it looked and sounded. The good thing about the live audition is that they can give you notes and ask you to try something different, which is what they did for the lead role of Eric. Also, for some reason, you keep the phone facing yourself, so it uses the camera on the front of the phone, not the back. Why audition for a lead role? Don't ask. I also auditioned to be a board member with just two lines. I did the harder one first and then called in two hours later for the easier one. So don't be scared. An EcoCast Live audition is actually a fun thing to do and you never have to leave your home. I'll do a more meaty segment on this as I get more experience doing it. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of the Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG roles of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.